Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You've had a long day. You're tired, and all you want to do is sit on the couch and veg out watching something mindless on television. Then, from the other room, you hear your spouse ask if you could please start bath time as your spouse is finishing up a work project. And you don't really want to, but you neither want to disappoint your spouse nor get into an argument about it. You could just go ahead and do what you were asked, but you're also trying to honor your own feelings. So you're stuck. What you do next is truly important to your marriage. And that's what I'm talking about today with my guests, clinical social worker, Dr. Asha L. Romanelli, and his wife, certified coach, Galit Romanelli. So thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about what is a really, really common thing that goes on in marriages. You wrote a piece for the Good Men Project titled, It's Not That Important to Me. You say that most of us prefer to sugarcoat communication in order to not rock the boat. Why does this happen and what makes it a drawback? Wow, that's a great question. So <laughs> I would say like this, we all, all of us, we, we don't want to get hurt and we don't want to offend and we don't want to kind of step into uh, fights and arguments. So what, what we do is we, we, we call this fuzzy communicating or fuzzy bidding. And we basically, instead of saying our truth in a clear and blunt way, we kind of sugarcoat it and we say, it's complicated. I'm not really sure. I'll get back to you. And what happens is these, this vague communication, we call this smokescreen communication, tends to ends up with a lot, a lot of energy being spent trying to mind read, trying to read between the lines. What does my partner mean? And then I start analyzing every single word they say. And then so much energy is just going into the mind reading that it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting and couples end up either communicating less or being constantly insulted or misinterpreting the partner. Because what happens is, especially when you're in intense relationships, um, you tend to what's called negative sentiment override. Right. Which basically mm-hmm. means I automatically interpret my partner negatively. Yep. So that, that vague communication oftentimes ends up in negative sentiment override, which just hurts relationships more. Well, and I, and I love your talking about this, this idea that we don't actually always say what we mean. Um, and gosh, I wish I could remember. Um, she's a, I, I always forget her name and I really shouldn't. Um, but she, you know, she's, she's a professor in New York and she studies linguistics and communication. And, you know, it's one, one of her books, you know, she talks about the, the couple that goes out for dinner and the, and the guy has, you know, he's got health issues. He's got high blood pressure. He's got high cholesterol. And she points out, honey, there's salmon on the menu. <laughs> as he's ordering a steak, right? It's that, it's that, you know, it's that she basically doesn't want him to order a steak, but instead of saying, I really think you should eat so much red meat, which of course would be a difficult conversation. She just points out, oh, do you see they have this? And then of course, when he doesn't order the salmon, you know, it's this, it's this whole kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Or, Or even more than that, Leslie, right? The clear communication, I think would even be, I'm worried about you. Mm Mm-hmm. That would even be that would even be more direct and more clear. That would be the vulnerable mm-hmm. option, right? 
well, uh, yeah, and it's and it's this interesting way of and and again, I know in the I think in the article you mentioned it that women tend to be less direct. That you know, it's like, oh, did you see that such and such is playing at the theater, right? <laughs> Meaning, I would like to go see this movie as opposed to just saying to my partner, hey, on Saturday when we're on our date, can we go see the new movie at the thing? As opposed to just this kind of generic, oh, there's this thing out there. <laughs> it's like, what is that? You so know? that's called, yeah, so, so if you use that, the fuzzy bidding is basically what the Gottmans talk about, emotional bids. Mm -hmm. So instead of telling my partner I miss you or I love you because I don't want to get hurt, so I'm going to cover it up with a logistical or concrete question like, oh, there's an interesting movie out because mm -hmm. we all want to protect ourselves, especially if, if our if our relationship's a bit tense or a bit rocky. But, but that yeah. isn't that sort of how our relationships get tense and rocky? I mean, you, you talked about this mind reading where, you know, where I'm supposed to try to figure out. You know what it is my partner saying. And I and I do personally know that that men generally as as a as a whole, that's not individual, but as a whole tend to be much more direct in their, in their conversation and women tend to be less direct. And I think that creates a lot of room for misunderstanding, miscommunication, just miss all over the place. Right. I have to chime in as kind of a doctoral student, a gender studies doctoral student and say that I think it's interesting kind of what you're saying, Leslie, in terms of men speaking more directly I think what happens often in relationships is that we is that men may speak more directly but not about their inner world correct mm -hmm. and so that's where the kind of miscommunication happens mm -hmm. right that's where we become misaligned in terms of expectations desires wants and I think that that's where when we can each learn to speak more directly and openly um like asael suggested in his in his article about you know being very blunt and and clear about you know this just isn't that important to me right mm -hmm. like right cleaning the cleaning the sink after i you know had a long day just isn't that important to me and then that allows and as as kind of blunt and maybe even um, rude or offensive or, you know, how can that be? Doesn't he care about, you know, the cleanliness of our home? Mm -hmm. It allows me to position myself against that, right? In a very clear way, rather than just continuously be disappointed or frustrated or angry or like, no, he's not going to care as much about this particular thing as I do. Now, now how do I position myself? Right. And that was, you know, and that's, that was one of the things that caught me about this article is that when you get caught in this bind about what it is I want to do versus what it is somebody's asking me to do, my partner, you, you, you say that the answer to this double bind lose lose situation is that sentence that you just used, Galit. It's not that important to me. So what exactly does this sentence mean and, and what makes it work? So part of our approach, we have a whole model for relationships, which we may, maybe we'll talk about in a different episode. But one of the pillars of our approach is called Say the Thing. Mm -hmm. Say the Thing comes from the world of improv, of theater improvisation, which basically means when I'm improvising a scene, you want to say what's happening right now on stage, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's part of the magic of improv. Mm -hmm. So 
when we take this into relationships, we're basically trying to encourage couples. We teach couples in the clinic every single day to do clear one-dimensional uh, communication, which basically it's a high risk, high gain, right? Because if I'm going to say to you, okay, it's not that important for me, we might have a rupture, right? We might have a uh-huh. misunderstanding, even an argument. But the gain is that we save all this, all this energy. This is what keeps relationships alive, right? Because when we sugarcoat it, this vagueness kind of just strips all the energy out. It drains us. So the beautiful sentence of it's not that important for you notice. So here's what I'm saying. Let's, let's break this down. Mm-hmm. So first of all, it's not that important. It doesn't mean it's not important at all. Mm-hmm. For me right now, I'm prioritizing other things, which means I'm telling you my truth. And I'm saying it's, it's not important to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not important, period. Okay, washing the dishes is not important at all. I'm saying for <laughs> me right now, it's not that important. And I want to give an example, if that's okay, from, from the clinic from this week. Mm-hmm. So Wait, and I also, couple. I just also want to add a sale to what you're saying, because I think it's an, another component of our model is own your shit, right? Which yes. is, which is being able to, to, to share the things that generally we don't share, right? And I think that saying it's just not that important to me is, is a very, um, kind of is really nestled in kind of owning our shit and, and, and being open and honest with things that in general we may feel embarrassed or ashamed to admit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's own your shit and same thing, okay? And <laughs> yeah. And I want to give you an example, okay? So this week, I meet my it's a, it's my second session with the couple. Um, I'm just gonna say it very bluntly. They have a you know very bland marriage. They barely have any sex. And the woman was talking about she wasn't really sure if she wants to come back because the truth is. She's okay because most of her libido is outsourced out of the marriage. Uh So then I said to her, so basically what you're saying is right now, um, you're not looking to work on your sex life. And she's like, the truth is not. I'm reading erotic novels, you know, and I touch myself here and there and I'm happy. Uh So then I said to her, so, you know, instead of feeling guilty, why don't you turn to your husband and say to him, it's not that important to me to work on our sex life. Yeah. And, and, um, and she just, and she took a breath and she she looked at him and she just said to him point blank, she said, it's not that important to me to work on our sex life. And there was a moment there. Now he laughed. Why did he laugh? Because he felt it intuitively anyways. Uh So what she did there, she said the thing, she came out with her truth while still respecting that it's for her. She knows that for him, he wants more sex. Uh Now the way to to go out of lose-lose, it's called differentiation. Differentiation is my ability to be myself and to be connected to you. Right. And notice the sentences that means him. It's, I'm, I'm talking like, why is that important to you? I can't believe it. No, it's just not that important to me. I'm owning my shit. And I'm also prioritizing myself without erasing you. It's seeing me and seeing you at the same time. Interesting. And I, I think also it's really important to say because the it's just not that important to me. It's not forever, right? But it's right now. And then, like I mentioned before, it allows the partner to position himself okay now with that information now what do now now what do i want to do with my libido or with my right like then yeah, it's much easier right. to position yourself in a very then you can have a real open honest conversation of, about where that leaves you but isn't because, that because the reason it, why people don't do it is because that i mean now it's one thing to say you know cleaning cleaning the sink isn't that important to me <laughs> but to say Working yeah. on our sex life isn't that important to me. I mean, that we're talking about a, a, a difference in quite a bit of difference in degree of importance. Yeah, it's, it's a zinger. Let, you brought a zinger. 
Leslie, but but let's 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 open that up, okay? Because here's the truth: your partner intuitively feels all this, yep. right? Because yep. you're sugarcoating and avoiding it, that just creates more damage. And was it Brene Brown Galit who said, "Clear is kind." Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Clear is kind. She's that. I said that's being generous. Let him know where he stands, so he can make a choice. And you want to come out. You want like Terry Real says. The best way to keep passion alive is to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's going to say that. That's going to that's going to raise the temperature, also in a good way, because suddenly there's clarity. Suddenly there's something to push against. Suddenly there's action. Suddenly there's aliveness. There's a vitality. And I think a lot of the couples we see, and I'm sure you see this as well, Lizzie, they're bored. They're mm-hmm. bored and they're completely outsourced. There's no libido left in the system. Right, and and there's multiple reasons for that, and that's that's a whole different show. <laughs> Right. There's, there's tons of topics we could talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> right. True. So I just want to remind people that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a conversation about expectations and communication and relationships with clinical social worker, Dr. Asha L. Romanelli and his wife, certified coach, Galit Romanelli. And the truth is that you and your partner have different expectations and different priorities. This is normal. And it only becomes a problem when one or both of you fight against it. And the answer is to learn to not just accept, but actually appreciate these differences. And I personally believe this is what makes relationships and marriage in particular so challenging. And if this is a struggle for you, either accepting your partner's differences or they're accepting your differences, there is an answer. And if you're ready to find out how to navigate these differences successfully, I invite you to schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship strategy session. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463 or by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this really good conversation. So how can somebody, how can a couple or even an individual part of the relationship begin to use this sentence it's not that important to me effectively well it starts with the core of our model which is called play you need to have play in your relationship and we can do a whole episode on play but i'm sure (laughs) play plays the lubricant of life plays the Mm -hmm. lubricant of relationships without play everything's just going to be rough so there needs to be a softness. Now, play, when we say play, we mean a softness, a, a soft perception of myself, of my partner, of the relationship. Uh-huh. So first, we need to have a soft relationship where I can say the sentence. It's not like, it's not that important to me. Like, it's not <laughs> aggressive or angry. It's like a playful. It's, it's owning your shit playfully. Uh-huh. And if you do this enough and you have this culture, obviously, send your, tell your partner to listen to this podcast or read the article as well. Right. So once we know it's clear as kind, so it's actually being generous and saying, and just owning my shit and saying to Galit, like, listen, Making the bed. Here's a real example. Okay, making the bed in the morning. Let's make this real. Let's 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 raise uh-huh. temperature. Galit knows that making the bed in the morning. It's not that important to me. I don't care. Uh-huh. I really don't care. I'll do it if she insists, but it's not that important to me. So I I rather just own it, and then we create a culture where your faults are welcome. If you do this right, over time, when your partner comes out saying this sentence and other shit that they're going to own, uh-huh. you thank them, you smile, you give them a kiss and a hug. 
really take but it I away think the here. important thing to re- to recognize is that it's not the end of the conversation. It's actually okay. just the start, which is part of play, right? Play is finding alternatives, finding solutions, um, expanding options. And so it's just not important to me. It doesn't mean, and that's it, the conversation is over, but it's an opportunity to begin to explore uh, collaborative options. Okay. And I'm, I, I want to go back to the sex one. Cause I think that right. you're right. Like talking about the bed. Okay. Fine. You know, that's not nearly as big as sex, but okay. So, so it's not that important to you and your libido is at the moment focused outwardly. And where does that leave me and how, mm-hmm. what can we do together so that I'm also, you know, satisfied sexually? What can we, and that is, that is the beauty, right? Is that it, starts the conversation for a really meaningful, vulnerable conversation that's honest. Well, and I, and I love you bringing that up because it really is. I mean, and I, and I do think that's what gets in the way a lot of times is because, and I, and I think, I think you said this earlier about, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and, you know, but again, by not telling our truth, right. we are hurting them because they're because they're stumbling and bumbling around in the dark, not understanding why what they're doing yeah. is is being received the way it's being received. Because it's like you said, I mean, it, it all that tension is there. We just don't necessarily understand what it's about. And that's where I think being open and honest, but that kind of open wait, and wait, honesty is scary. It's oh, wait, very but, scary. But, but, but I, but, but I think act. that the story wait, that we make up in our mind, sorry, I said, I'll let you go in a minute. <laughs> but I think the story that we make up in our mind is often much worse than the reality. And so if we can, if we are willing to, to be vulnerable, then we'll get clarity, which uh-huh. will then actually show us, oh, it's, it's not that she doesn't, she's not interested in me. She's not interested in sex at the moment here, but. Do you know what I mean? And so, and somehow then having that conversation allows you to open it up and rather than kind of create these stories in your mind. Okay. So I, I want to add to that and basically mm-hmm. say the opposite of owning your shit is gaslighting. So let's, let's name it. So she's, she's okay. avoiding having sex. She's gaslighting. Oh, it's important for me, but I have a headache. It's important. Right. So that's gaslighting. Okay. Gaslighting is never going to help your relationship. So. <laughs> Right. So the antidote for gaslighting is to own your shit. So I, it's not that important for me is one variation of owning your shit. Uh-huh. So yes, it's really painful and it hurts, but at least there's that's clarity. That's generous. That's being transparent. And from there, we had an honest conversation. So what's worse saying something that's uncomfortable and hurting your partner, which by the way is inevitable. Cause, right. Cause love and hate are the same and they're connected and you always heard the one you love. Right. Uh-huh. Or uh-huh. gaslighting your partner who feels like something's wrong, but you're, you keep denying it. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's interesting because you're talking about making the bed and, and whatever. These, these are the kinds of, of conversations and I call them negotiations. I don't use the word um, compromise in, in terms of a relationship because I think that's a dangerous word. Um, but negotiating to an agreement that, Something doesn't matter. Something doesn't matter that much to me, but I recognize it matters a lot to you. So am I willing to participate on, on some level in, in what's important to you, whether it's the dishes in the sink or the bed being made or having sex? I mean, I would assume that, that part of that is at play. Yes. 
So, so there's a concept called high desire and low desire partner. This comes mm-hmm. from the work of David Schnarch. In mm-hmm. every single department, there's a high desire and low desire for sex, for cleaning, for traveling, mm-hmm. for praying. Okay. So the, the idea is once I'm owning my shit and I say it's not important for me, the high desire partner in this case would be Galita making the bed or the husband and the couple I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to make a decision. Is this important enough for me that I'm going to lead this, that I'm going to plow through? Or, or are we, am I going to have to find a different solution? So I think it's owning it. Like for a lot of couples, they're afraid to even own it. Like they're afraid to even say, I'm not like you. I have mm-hmm. a different priority, especially after many years. And maybe once praying was super important to me and 20 years later, it's not. And maybe sex was super important to me, but now after four kids and I'm doing my PhD, I'm less interested right now in sex. Like for partners, it's coming out because we will all be married more than once. The question will be with the same partner because we're always changing and couples are afraid to own their shit and say, I've evolved. I've changed. My priorities have changed. Will you still love me? And I hear that, and that's actually the risk. And you guys see these couples, I see these couples when they haven't been dealing with these changes over over time, um, because we we our core at our core, I think we stay fairly the same. But I but I think our everyday desires or whatever may change, and so to be held. Well, but you did this 20 years ago. It's like, yeah, I did a lot of things 20 years ago that I don't do now. Um, this idea of, of staying in that connection and staying in that ability to talk about what matters, I think is, is critical. And, and I guess that's my question of how do you encourage couples to do that? Do it. Take the plunge. Cause I, and I also want to say, you know, yeah, we're talking here about big spans of 20 years, but it could also change from week to week, from month to month to mm-hmm. month. And when you communicate openly, then, and, and especially, you know, with the, the mindset of play, then it's all flexible and it can all change and, and, and change, you know, and, and, and that's what keeps us interesting and curious. And that is actually what keeps the passion alive is that, is that I don't assume to know how a sale will, will respond, even though we've been together for, you know, over a decade, because mm-hmm. I recognize that his mood changes, his priorities change and these things change so you know, it fluidly and, and so it, it kind of almost, um, keeps boredom at bay and being taken for granted at bay. And I think that, that those are all assets to have in your relationship. And, and I want to piggyback that one second, Leslie. And I think another thing that as you were speaking, I was thinking, Leslie, what we're basically talking about is integrity, right? Mm-hmm. It's about owning, owning your shit is integrity. Like, and I yep. think, you know, if we talk about boredom and people are like, well, I've known this woman for 20 years, like by owning your shit, by saying it's not important to you, by, sh- by being, in, being in your integrity, you're also, sh- you're honoring your evolving nature. And the second you realize, whoa, my wife is evolving. And I can say that I'm in my third marriage to my first wife, Galit, because mm-hmm. <laughs> she has changed and I have changed in the last 13 years. Okay. And I think for once couples understand that, internalize that. So how do we help them? First of all, we model them. We model it by both of us being in the room and sharing real stories about our life, Uh like spritzing a lot of play in the clinic in the room. So they feel like they're not going to be judged. And by the way, when that woman said um, sex is not that important for me right now, all three of us laughed. Why? Because it was like this release of energy. It was like, ah, finally, we can finally come out. And I, I purposely use the word coming out because there's like so much shame when you're bottling up. And the second you say it, they're like, that's it. 
Right. It's, it's not a, it's not as big a deal as you think because your partner already knows. They know it. So just own it. Well, it so so talk a little bit more about the role of play because I think that that I think that that can be misunderstood as as what does that mean? Because I I know that some people um, use humor and um, teasing and that kind of thing as a way of of distancing of of actually not becoming vulnerable. You know, it's like you know I'm going to make light of a of a of a comment that somebody makes. Um, so talk more about play. I'm I'm curious about that. So first of all, I, I think it's really important to differentiate a playful mindset from hostile humor, which okay. is more uh, cynical and sarcasm and putting down, belittling, dismissing, right? Kind mm-hmm. of like um, that, that, that kind of, which is, I think, much more um, aggressive and hostile, masked as humor. Mm-hmm. And play is really, the way we see it, is a um, a soft perception of reality that allows a flexibility of mind, that allows innovation. And I think that the easiest access point to get to that type of play is curiosity, right? Staying really mm-hmm. open and curious and not taking ourselves too seriously along the way, right? And recognizing that that our flaws are welcome. And if we can embrace them first and foremost, then there will be space for them. Play, play's a whole philosophy. And I think we'll, we, we can dedicate a whole episode just talking about play. But I think the, the rebranding we want to do here, play is not children's work. Play is okay. serious work. Yeah. We all, that's our, by the way, that's our mother tongue. We're all born speaking play. Mm-hmm. And we, in fact, as, as we grow older, a lot of us lose access to play lose access to that playfulness, that what we call potential state, the state between reality and fantasy. And couples that don't, the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. And couples that are not playful, they don't have that, they don't have elbow room. They don't have wiggle room to make mistakes. They don't have that playground. And that's why when you're not, we don't have any play, every sentence lands hard. Every jab, every moment is like, oh, every rupture is like a drama. Uh-huh. Play is what allows us to kind of smooth things over. It gives us a little bit of a, of a good eye. A little more space. So how can people either maintain play or incorporate play? Because a lot of what, as, as you guys are talking, what keeps popping into my head is emotional intelligence. It's like, oh my, I mean, which, which we all know is, is essential for healthy, lasting relationships, but, um, you know, it, but it's not necessarily, something that we're either encouraged or taught or it's true. It's I'm not, true. yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Where, you know, but how, how do we help people do this? First, it's a willingness, right? To like, to surrender to the, the journey and the mindset, mm-hmm. because when we are in a mindset of play, we're willing to let go of the, of the game mentality, which is kind of winners, losers. These uh-huh. are the rules. Um, and a, a very kind of binary, rigid, uh, way of thinking. Okay. So I think it's, it's a first being willing to, to be a little bit more flexible, recognizing that, um, our, our, one of our mottos is there are no mistakes, only learning. Right. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. actually the journey 
is a huge part and we want to enjoy the journey. Um, and play can be in, in like really small things, right? Like we, one of the things that we teach couples is to do a take two, right? And to name it as a take two, right? So in movies and films, actors have mm-hmm. so many options to do a redo, right? The scene mm-hmm. didn't go well, they can do a take two. Mm-hmm. So even just incorporating, let's do a take two. I didn't like the way I answered you, Asael, or I'm sorry mm-hmm. that I missed, you know, your bid, or I said the wrong thing, or, you know, even if it's a few days later, I can come back and I can say, let's do a take two on that conversation that we had. And even that's kind of a small thing that's playful that says, you know, we can always have a do over. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are small things that we can incorporate into our relationship that kind of soften the edges. And I think that that's what play does. It doesn't say there are no rules, but it says, let's move around in a more flexible way. Let's soften those edges. So what helps people become more flexible? Because I, I, I do hear you and it's funny because as you're talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about something that, you know, it's, it's an expression that my husband and I use all the time because he'll, you know, he'll, he'll tell me, he goes, Oh, well, did I tell you I have dinner with blah, blah, blah on Tuesday? I said, no, you must have told your other wife because you forgot to tell this one. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, no, it's like, you know, cause he goes, well, I'm sure I told you. I said, no, you told your other wife. And, and, and that's just kind of our, you know, and, and it's usually not a big deal. It, it doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of our playful way of, of dealing with that, you know? And yeah. Um, you know, and the other one is that, you know, I, I, I live as a fun sucker. Um, you know, it's like, that's right. Mom takes all the fun out of everything, you know, but it, you know, but it is, I mean, humor is, humor is very helpful. And as you said, it's not, it's not mean humor. It's actual, let's lighten the mood. It's not that big of, you know, of a right. deal, but, yeah. but a lot of us become, less flexible instead of more flexible. So how is, especially if we've been with somebody for a long time, right? It's like, yes, you know, well, I've been with this person for, in, in my particular case, almost 40 years with my husband. And it's like, but there are still things that like, I look at him going, who are you? It's like, where did this come from? You know, this is new. Um, and it, and it, and it doesn't necessarily bother me. It's, it's more like, oh, this is interesting. This is surprising. Okay. Mm. Tell me more. But for a lot of people, they just assume there's that very dangerous word that because yeah. I've been yes. with somebody for a long time, I know what they're thinking. I know what they want or worse. They, they think I should know that because they want me to you know participate in the mind reading school of relationships. How do yes. we help people be develop that flexibility and or keep that flexibility. Well, I think what you're describing, we call this exclamation marks. You want to turn the exclamation marks into question marks. You want to soften that line. Mm-hmm. Now, the really question is the motivation, right? Because many people don't want to be more playful because <laughs> they don't even know they're missing it. You know, right. play, who says that? Stuart Brown, really, that says yeah. plays like oxygen. You only realize yeah. it's when it's gone. Mm, yeah. So a lot of people don't even know they're not playful. They just think that's what it is because they grew up with their model. Their parents were the, was the ball and chain. Right. Right. Think about it. They were also our parents' generation were a lot of them were working really hard. There was no play. Play is the privilege of the living. When you're in survival mode, you can't be playful. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, especially men, let's talk about that as well. A lot of us are in survival mode because we've stopped playing long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And we, we were working nine to five, like everything's a burden, everything's a chore. So it's really hard to stay playful. So a lot of our work is just to help people see, hey, are you playful? 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and I love it. That's one of the reasons why I hate using, you know, when people talk about marriage or relationships being work, it's like, oh, please stop. It's like, no, <laughs> that sounds so horrible. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's go work at our relationship. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and as opposed to what I hear and you say is like, let's get curious about what's possible. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, think, I think, I think curiosity. Sorry. Right. No, no, go on, Billy. No, I think curiosity is really if 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 we've lost access to play, which many of us have, Mm -hmm. then I think that the access point or the entry point back to it is through curiosity. Right. Mm -hmm. And assume nothing. Your partner has changed every day. Your partner changed just like every day. You have different experiences that potentially shape and change you. And 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 I think that when we recognize that. Right. And we Uh don't assume that we know what they're thinking, how they're feeling and ask. Uh Then we're cultivating a relationship that is based on curiosity rather than assumptions. And and like I said, boredom. So what do we do? What does somebody do when they get an answer that they don't like or is really, really painful? How do people stay present? The first thing they need to do is let it land. Let that mm. feedback burn their body and just let it take a big inhale and then and then just come out and just say the thing. Say, wow, what you just said now is really hard for me to digest. I wanted there's a party that just wants to get up and run mm-hmm. or, or get defensive or attack you, but I'm trying not to do that because I'm realizing that you're speaking your truth. See, playful is also broadcasting live. Play does not necessarily mean you have to be silly. But it means I'm going to, I'm going to own my shit. And the second I'm owning, by the way, the second I'm saying all of this, Leslie, there's a part of me that's observing that, which means I'm not mm-hmm. just angry. There's also a part of me that's observing that anger. Mm-hmm. So it's also play also helps me regulate between my upstairs brain and my downstairs brain. It helps me regulate between my right brain and my left brain, between being too rigid in my thoughts or too emotional. Play is what keeps everything flowing. It's actually a regulating mechanism. Right. Because you know, can't I, play when you're in trauma mind. That's exactly. true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, how this... do you know animals are healthy, Leslie? They play. Animals <laughs> are not healthy. Don't play. It's true. Yeah, I, I, that, that's actually that's actually very true. They they don't. Um, and and <laughs> so, I think that's so how I, do you know marriage? How do you know marriage is, is, has problems? There's no play. There's You've no lost play. play. Right. There's no right. play. But you that don't is, even notice it because yeah. Yeah, that is that is such a profound statement, and and. I think it's a perfect place to to um, end because, you know, it's like that's a mic drop as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's like, OK, <laughs> um, because that I mean, you know, you've just you've kind of just changed the way I'm going to be talking to couples. It's like, how much fun do you have? And if the answer is not much, it's like, OK, we got a problem here um, because, yeah, because it's you know, life is already serious enough. Um, yeah. yeah. We, and you know, your relationship and think- should be a playground. We we. That when we teach couples about a kind of a, a new way to approach their relationship, we talk about our relationship as being a playground. And on the playground, when you watch kids play in the playground, it's not all fun and games. There's negotiation, like you said, there's conflict, there's there's expectation management, there's and and, and alongside that, there's also, you know, great friendship and love and affection, but there's all of it. And that's where we learn 
how to interact and engage. And there's no reason that that learning should ever stop. We should always continue to, to learn and, and develop and, and self growth and that, and, and our relationship, our marriage is the playground for us to do that. Well, and, and I, I'll just I, say all, go ahead. Well, I'll just, let me just I'll just tell, I'll dovetail that. I say, I think as, as therapists, like the first thing we'll do is play. Like I can't teach you communication skill. I can't teach you conflict management. And if there's no play, because that's our way of going up on the balcony and looking at ourselves and even laughing at ourselves and even being, just be having, um, being empathic to our shit. Mm-hmm. So all the, all the places where we're idiots, where we're fools, <laughs> you know, where we're little children and just embracing that, that requires play and soft eyes. We call it soft eyes, soft, good eyes. So you're right. Like it's really about that. And one last thing I want to say, it's about modeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, when couples come into the clinic, we also, we do webinars where we teach couples, call, it's called playground. We, do, we teach couples how to be more playful and we model that by be, by not taking ourselves too seriously. Even in this podcast, right? We're talking about our own marriage. We're laughing at ourselves. We're modeling that it's okay. It is okay. I love that. So where can people learn more about you, your modeling, your, your webinars, anything that, and where can they learn more? So all our stuff is, is in our website that's called Potential State, www.potentialstateoneword.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called the Potential State YouTube channel with over 125 videos. Each one's about eight minutes detailing every one of these topics. We have to talk about play, about own your shit, let it land, etc. And you can also find us in the podcast, which is the audio version of the YouTube channel. It's called the Potential State Podcast. So all these three things, and we'll also have hopefully the details in the episode link. Yes. Delete that I forget anything else. We have the podcast, YouTube channel. There's also a Facebook page, The Potential State. Basically, The Potential State. The Potential State. I love it. Ah, one last Wait, one last place. Um, There's a blog as well on Psychology Today called The Other Side of Relationships. Mm-hmm. It also appears, it's also syndicated in the Goodman Project. That's mm-hmm. where we met Leslie. Mm-hmm. So also check out Psychology Today. It's all, but our home base is the potentialstate.com. I love it. So- Expecting your partner to think, act, and prioritize like you is what will lead to problems in your relationship. Communicating calmly and clearly about what you want and don't want is a key to relationship success. And as you've learned through this conversation, play is an important part too. And the sooner you learn to do these things, the faster you will create your real happily ever after. So hopefully you've learned a lot from the show. I certainly have today. And until next week, stay loving.